0: Uh, We're going to pray real quick for our missionary friends, Byron and Emily, uh, for Brandon and Ernie, and for Tim and Michaela. Uh, Tim and Michaela are in an unknown place in the Asia Attic area, we can't say, (laughs) and uh, Brandon and Ernie are in Ireland, and those are the three sets of missionaries that we support monthly, and we're excited to be able to do that. So would you guys join me in praying for them and for our study today? Uh, Jesus, we come to you now, we've worshipped you, we've praised you, we've uh, received your blood cleansing, Lord, by faith, and we thank you so much that you just love us and have adopted us as your children, and we thank you that we can live in that place of being your children. Lord, we ask that you would bless Brandon and Ernie, uh, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit and with wisdom, and as they're um, even ministering to the children out there in Ireland, Lord, that you would raise up a generation through them that loves you. It knows your word. We ask that you use all their gifts, and you bless their marriage and their children, Silas and Ethan. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, pour out all that they need upon them and be mighty for them. I pray they would take great steps of faith. We pray for Tim and Michaela. You would encourage them. I pray for Michaela's health, that it would be uh, better, that she would be healed from her pain in her back. And we ask that you would give them great fruitfulness and boldness and safety in the place where they're at. And Lord, we pray uh, for Byron and Emily, Lord, that you give them a word especially for us next week, uh, Lord, that we would be encouraged by them. I pray that you would continue using them in their church plants in Ukraine, and Lord, that you would uh, bless Byron as a pastor, give him a pastor's heart and wisdom, and Lord, through the study we have today, I pray that you'd speak to us and uh, change the way that we think, and bless us, Lord. In your name we pray, Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to study the eighth miracle of Elisha, and it's called death in the pot. Death in the pot. It sounds like Denver, right? There's death in the pot. There's death in the pot, for sure. But that's actually not what we're talking about today. I, you could, If that's your application, by all means, take that application and just believe in your heart that there is death in pot, because uh, there is. But... But that's not our our lesson today. But our lesson today, I'll give you the lesson right up front, okay? Bless you, James. James. (laughs) The world and the way the world thinks will kill you. But God's word will protect you and heal you from any damage that it may cause. The world and the world's way of thinking that the Word of God will clean the mud off. And that'll make sense as we go on. It'll clean the mud off. The way the world thinks, I would call it this, if you want to get super heady, humanistic, man-centered philosophy will kill you. Humanistic, man-centered philosophy. And to dumb that down, to simplify it, because I need things dumbed down for my little brain, the way the world thinks the way that comes naturally to you and to me, and to everyone who lives and breathes and has flesh and blood, we think just naturally a certain way, but that it, it, it will kill you. It will kill you. We are a part of this world. We, we were born here. We all live here. Each of us have an address in this world, and we've all grown up learning how things work in this world, but a lot of it is just wrong a lot of it is poison it's like jumping in a huge puddle of mud the mud just gets everywhere and when people look at each other all we see is mud because it's all over us we literally don't know or can't imagine a life without living in this mud puddle that we live in in this world but god knows this and he has graciously provided a solution and it's called the water Of the word of god did you guys ever play in a mud puddle when you were grown up and then after (laughs) i just had tommy boy flash through my mind this hose washing him off with the hose and (laughs) anyway (laughs) i'm a maniac maniac anyway yes your mom would just get out a hose and she would hose you down if you, got, if you were just covered in mud as a kid. She'd hose you down because the water did a great job of getting the mud out. And uh, you know when you go to the beach or whatever and you have sand everywhere, you go take a shower and there's sand coming off you everywhere. I remember that. Well, that's what the Word of God is for us. And so we're given um, that image in that verse in Ephesians that we talked about at your wedding a couple weeks ago, where it says husbands are to wash their water or wash their wives. Um, it says in, in husbands in Ephesians five twenty five, husbands love your wives. Says Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of of the water by the word by the word. Okay, so the word of God is perfect. It's perfect word. It never changes. Okay? It's not like the advice I get from the world. That advice changes all the time. You know, doctors used to think that letting leeches suck your blood was a good thing and was healthy. And anytime people got sick, many times they would prescribe them leeches. Anyone ever seen a leech? They're disgusting. I covered in them once. <laughs> i I'm freaking now. that is scary, okay, so the world the world doesn't know what's going on. I mean, they think they do, but they're always changing. You know, when I was growing up, the world was like four billion years old, which is stupid. but now it's like eight billion years old, and I didn't think I lived that long, and they were absolutely sure when I was a kid, that it was this age, and now they're absolutely sure that it's this age, and they're all wrong, okay? Because the world doesn't know. we're going to understand today, we're going to learn today why they don't know. The Word of God, though, it never changes. I mean, what we are reading here is the same Bible the church has been studying for 2,000 years, and it's the same Torah that Israel had for 3,000 years before that. It's, and it's, but even beyond all that it's an eternal word of god it's something that he's had forever and he has just given us access to him and his character through this bible so the word never changes the word of god is perfect number two the word of god is pure the word of god is pure proverbs 3 5 says every word of god is pure he's a shield to those who put their trust in him that means that the word of god is right all the time and it always has an answer and its answer is always right It just, that's what the Bible says about itself. In fact, God says, I'm going to lay my reputation on this. When he says in in Psalm 138 verse 2, David says, or the, the psalmist says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. God says, I am so committed to giving you the word of God in a pure like giving you everything you need that I'm going to magnify my word above my very name. And his name is glorious his name we sang about his name and all the healing that's in his name and all the wonderful all the benefit we have from knowing who he is but he's like it's even more important that you know my word than my name. That's a, that's a lot. That's really important. So the Word of God is perfect, it never changes, and it's pure. It always has what we need. Well, let's investigate. This is all still introduction. We're (laughs) doing a lot here. But we're going to investigate one quick topic, one quick area where the mud has gotten all over us. And we're going to see how it has affected the way that we think and the way that we behave, okay? We're going to take our financial life real quick. And we're just going to, you could pick any topic, but we're going to start here today. Um, In the area of provision, the world's way of thinking is you should grow to be financially independent. Where God's word would say, God is your provider. Do you see how it it messes with the way that we think? How about financial security? The world thinks it comes from accumulation. And the Bible says it comes from God. Financial security. How about our mindset? When the world says your mindset should be on earthly things, and the Bible says it should be on heavenly things. Possessions. Possessions. The world says they are 100% mine. The Bible says it's 100% God's. Your possessions are 100% God's. How about problems? Financial problems. Well, I keep those to myself, the world says. And the Bible says give them to God. Financial freedom in the world's mindset is, comes from external circumstances. And in God's way, the Word of God says it's internal peace with God. That gives you financial freedom. Resources, the world says you live from self-resources. God says from the Holy Spirit, you live on the Holy Spirit. How about your talents and your gifts? The world says they are inherited and then developed by you where the Bible says they're God-given. God gives you gifts and talents. Where to restore our treasures. The world says on earth, we say, or the, the word of God says in heaven. Our treasures here on earth will rot and can be stolen. But in heaven, the Bible says they do not rot and they're safe. Our focus the word the world has our focus on me, what's mine and on myself, and the Word of God says our focus is God, who is served? The world says we serve mammon that's the Bible word that just means things, and we learn from the Word that we serve God, the view of debt, the world says more and more, and the Word of God says less and less. Uh, why are we, what are we motivated by financially? The, the world says to be served. i got to get the, the maid to clean my stuff for me. i got to get this person to do this for me. Everything is people serving me, whereas the biblical view is we use money to serve others, to bless others. The perspective is on worldly temporal things or eternal things. And death, death is to be feared. Whereas for a believer and for the Word of God, it says death is peace and prepared for. And goals, the world has goals that are short-range, maybe 50 years at the longest. That's kind of short-range, actually. Whereas the Bible's goals are long-term, eternal. So this is just one small snapshot view of one area of our life, just our financial life, where our natural way of thinking is always corrupted by the world. I mean, if we don't watch it, we will think the way the world thinks because the mud is on us. We live in this mud puddle just like everybody else. And if we don't study the Word of God, we will not even realize it and we certainly won't overcome it. So that gets us to our text today, which is 2 Kings. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38. We're going to go through this and see how the Lord is going to teach us about this death in the pot. It says, And Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land." We'll stop right there. Because every detail in the Word of God is very important. These things happened way a long time ago, but they were recorded by the Holy Spirit in God's perfect and pure Word for us today. Okay? And so we need to understand what this is talking about spiritually for us. Okay, so yes, it did happen. There was an actual famine in the land. But what does that mean to me? The Holy Spirit, as we seek him and we humbly read the word and pray, he reveals to us many cool things about this and how we can apply this to our life. Okay, What this is going to speak of in our life is a famine of the word of God. When people stop eating the word of God. Okay? Amos chapter 8, verse 11 is a great cross-reference for us. It says in Amos 8:11, "Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, but not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but get this, check this out, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Hearing the words of the Lord. So that is a spiritual application of what a famine is for us. And we have this prophecy in Amos that helps us to understand how we can apply this famine thing to our lives. A famine, it says here, can represent a lack of hearing the word. And it's not that the word isn't there. The Bible's always been there. But it's that people aren't hearing it. And what do you think that means? You think the preachers aren't preaching it? Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes the preachers don't preach the word of God. But sometimes the preachers are preaching just fine, and the people aren't hearing it. People hear the word, but they don't believe it. Some people say that's a nice story. That was good for them, but it won't work for me and my modern problems. My modern problems. They think that the mud today is different than the mud 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says it's not. It's all just mud. Jesus specifically taught us about this when he was teaching us about the the, uh, seeds that you plant in different places. In Luke chapter 8, and he said, Therefore, take heed how you hear. How you hear. For to whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away from him. This is his understanding of the word of God, his ability to grasp the spiritual meaning of the word. And so here, Elisha, he's in Gilgal, and there's a famine. What does that mean spiritually to us? It means that they were having a hard time understanding the word of God. This is important. I'm not just making this stuff up. We're going to see this, this connects with everything that happens throughout this miracle. So what do the people of God do when there's a famine? Is there a famine in Denver? Wow, that was a very uh, forceful answer you guys gave me. Yes, you believe there's a famine. You believe people are not believing the words of God. Is the word of God being preached in Denver? Yes, it is. There's many good churches with great pastors teaching the word of God. We have two in one building. I love that. (laughs) Well, what do the people of God, what are we going to do when there's a famine in our city? What are we going to do? Do we give up and lose hope? Do we move to Parker because it's cheaper and the people are more friendly at the grocery stores? (laughs) Some of you are like, amen to that. Well, let's see. In our text here, it says what the people of God did. It says, Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. The sons of the prophets were sitting before him. What does that mean? It means they went to church. Elisha was their pastor, and he brought them the word of God consistently, and so they just were like, You know what? We're going to go. We're going to learn the word of God. The word of God is the solution we are going to learn where the fountain of water is so that we can bring other people who are experiencing this drought to where they can be satisfied by the water of the word of god that's how this is working well isn't it more important for me to be out there witnessing to everybody no it is not It is more important for you to be faithful to be in the word of God. And God will do that work of making you an effective witness, of growing his church. But for us, our responsibility is the word of God. The sons of the prophets were sitting before him. They're seeking the Lord together. Now look at what happens. And he said to his servant, Put on a large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field to gather herbs, and he found a wild vine and gathered from it a lapful of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew. And they did not know what they were. A whole bunch of stuff you could say there about weird colored mushrooms and eating stuff you don't know what it is, but hey, it was a famine, I guess. Then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot! And they could not eat it. So they had picked somehow some poisonous gourds. Didn't even know there was such a thing. But there is. And and they're, they're very upset about this. Okay. The word for wild in Hebrew, is sadeh. Everyone say sadeh. Now you've learned your Hebrew word for the day. And in Hebrew, it's a word that means the opposite of cultivated. It means wild, or the opposite of a farm. And this word represents the wisdom of the world. You see, stuff is growing out in the wilderness, but it's wild, it's uncultivated. It just grows wherever it wants. And the wisdom of the world is just whatever they come up with. They study, and they think, and they work for it, and, and they have whole colleges and universities and psychological books, but it's still sad. It is wild and uncultivated because it does not line up with the basic foundational truths of the Word of God. You might think, Sean, you're very anti-psychology, and I, I'm not, actually. I just know the Word of God, the foundations of the Word of God. And if something directly contradicts what the Word of God says, it is wrong. It is sad. It is wild. And what will it lead to? Death. Death. There is death in the pot. In the end, this wisdom that the world has, the, this wisdom that people try so hard and they write their doctrinal thesis and they put it on Facebook for everyone to be impressed by their wisdom, it's just a wild thing to comp- when you compare it to the perfect and pure Word of God. And, and notice that the people of God Notice here, the people of God were able to discern that it was bad. They call it, there's death in this pot. They yelled that out. But notice, but it didn't didn't look bad when they first looked at it. And it didn't smell bad. But when they tried to consume it to make it part of themselves, it was death. Because the people of God, they have been abiding in the word of God here. These people have been abiding in the word. They could tell that there was death in this pot. And we, some, we sometimes call this the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and gives us wisdom. Uh, sometimes a discerning spirit. And what this all means just is that when you abide in the word of God, there's a protection from false doctrine and specifically from the wisdom that the world is trying to spread. Okay, so look what happened. So he said, then bring some flour, flour. He's not talking about little pretty flowers, is he? He's talking about flour like in what you make bread out of. And put it in the pot and said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. So there's the miracle. He healed the death in the pot with flour. The man of God, Elisha, he always knows the solution to such poisons. The flour, the bread is the solution, the word of God. He knows it's the solution to any problem. I don't need to know what gourd is messed up. I don't need to know what you picked. I know what fixes all these problems. And this miracle is to teach us to rely upon the Word of God to solve the problems that you don't know how to fix. There's problems that you don't know how to fix, right? I got problems that I don't know how to fix. Some things I just don't don't know what to do. I'm just stuck, or I don't know. And what I'm learning here, what this miracle teaches me, is that I don't have to know how to fix everything. Now, this flies in the face! of psychological idea. In psychology, the most important thing is to learn what your problem is and to confess that problem and to go back in your past and find out what your problem is. And only then can you get past it. Can you be healed. And the Word of God says that simply is not true. I don't know why you're so weird. And I don't need to know why you're so messed up. All I know is the word of God is perfect and pure and it heals and it, it's wonderful. And if I put my faith in God and in his word alone, I will be healed. It works. It works. And as a church, we need to learn to be skillful in applying the word of God to the daily situations of our lives. And how do we do this? Well, by practice, by practice. In the book of Acts, Paul is traveling around on these missionary journeys, and he stops by all these different places, and he gets to this one place called Berea, and when he got there, he shared the word of God. And those Bereans were really great. And it says because they were, they were more fair-minded or honorable than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness, but then they searched out the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So what they did is they, they heard the word, okay, and then they opened up the Bible for themselves and they sought it out to see daily, consistently, They were willing and ready. They searched the scriptures. That that means that they hoped that their solution was right there in those scriptures. They didn't look to other places. They said, okay, I hear what you're saying. Now let me run that by the bread, the word of God. Because God values his word above his name. And there is no contradiction in the word of God. So if you hear something on a, a preacher on TV says something and then you read in the bible and you say wait a second this says this who's right and who's wrong the bible is always right always 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 and doctrine is not that complicated or tricky and 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 it's it's not that hard to determine who is teaching correctly and even even the preachers on tv you can watch and hear, okay, this is good, this is bad. And I'm not saying that you can't ever listen to preachers on TV, but be careful because it's the Word of God. And as you, you, you are responsible to s- search the Word of God yourself. When we look to the Word alone, when we trust the Word alone, the death of this world, the mud, it cannot kill us, it's a protection. It's like a protection spell. Second Corinthians chapter one. Paul says, <clears throat> This world is trying to kill us, by the way. Okay? And and the, 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 the wisdom that this world has will kill us. Second Corinthians one nine. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. That verse parallels what we just studied, this miracle of Elisha, so amazingly. There is death in the pot, and you have consumed it. But guess what? God delivers you. He delivers you. He delivered us from so great a death, the death that was in the pot, He he does deliver us. He'll continue to deliver you and he will deliver us. He will, past, present, future, the word of God is sufficient for everything that the the death that we've been sentenced to, that we live in. We are living in this world where it's been sentenced to death. We had that in us because of the rebellion of Adam. Everyone has these curses on them, but God delivers us through his word he uses his word to deliver us and how does that happen well he uses his word to wash the mud away the mud symbolizes this this death and it's just all over us and it's hard we can't get it off ourselves because we're washing off the mud with more mud outside the word of god we just can't get clean but i want you to see jesus in john chapter 13 he, he's on his last night, and he, this is one of the most important things Jesus taught us. In, in John chapter 13, verse 5, it says, After that, this is their, their last supper, and he says, After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that he was girded with. And he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, Lord, Are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. He's all in now. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And he was talking about Judas right there. So what is this, what is that talking about? Jesus is saying that the word of God, when you, when you believe just the simple, most basic promise in the word of God that God will save you, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. I mean, that is like boiling it down to the most basic promise, the the most basic thing in the Bible is that I will save you. When you believe that, you are washed clean, Jesus says. Washed, totally clean. That that is enough. You will be saved. You are saved. Done. But this world we walk around in. And that's why Jesus washed their feet because your feet is the part that touches the world and what he's saying in doing this is that as we walk in the world we touch the world and it it gets on us and we get dirty and it starts to influence us you ever watch a show and realize that it's starting to influence the way that you're thinking maybe you have a dream about that show or maybe you have a friend at work and you start spending a lot of time with that person and all of a sudden you say a word that you never thought of or that you never used to say before and i'm not even talking about a curse word necessarily but it's just a word that they use all the time that maybe they're from the south or some weird place like that What happens is we get affected by the Word. The, the dirt gets on us. And that's natural. And Jesus says, i i got a plan for that. And I will take care of it. I will wash your feet. The place where you connect and touch the world, I will cleanse it. That's his job. How do we get that to happen? You Spend time in the Word. You just need to go to him. You just need to go to him and say, Lord, I need to abide in your word and let it cleanse me. Okay? Now, this is where I say all the time, and and you've probably heard and you probably know, I'm supposed to read my Bible. I'm supposed to read my Bible. Everyone says I'm supposed to read my Bible. But what's the problem? We get bogged down, right? Because we start thinking, I'm not making any progress. I'm reading this and I don't understand it. I don't understand this. I don't, what's going on? What, what are some reasons why we don't read the Bible? Lazy. Laziness. Okay. We don't realize sin. Okay. Distractions. Distractions. The world. What else? Tired We're tired. We think it's a duty. How many of you struggle with taking showers? (laughs) Chris raises his hands proud. Well done. Well done. Uh, We don't. Everyone likes taking showers. Nice, hot shower. Man, nothing better, right? Get up in the morning, nice, steamy, hot shower. Just great because we like being clean, all right? Our soul is the exact same way. And When you get into reading the Word of God, and when you're looking to the Word of God, it cleanses you like that daily. Okay, so I'm going to give you a tip and a trick. Okay, we're done with our study part. Now this is an, like an advice. How to read the Word of God in a simple way, that's going to help you not get bogged down. All right? Because I think what's hardest is that I have this enormous book, and I can only read very small parts of it, and I'm used to accomplishing things. And I don't like not accomplishing things. And so when I read just little parts of this big book, I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything. But who's the one washing feet? Okay. So are you trying to accomplish anything when you read the Bible? No. No. Be free. Be free. It's not you accomplishing anything. Jesus is washing you through the water of his word. Be free. It is not about learning a lot it is about consistency people who take showers don't smell weird and and it just keeps them clean if you have a consistent shower it doesn't matter if you take a 1 minute shower or a 10 minute shower you're still clean after the water rinses you off basically okay now jesus says i take the responsibility of ministering to you. I want to serve you. I'm doing it for you. The word of God is for you. It is not a task you need to accomplish. It is not a thing you need to study necessarily to learn everything. It is for you to be blessed by God. Your whole job is to believe it. And that is the hardest thing that you will ever do. Read it in faith. Okay, so I'm going to give you a practical way to do this. and This is uh, from my, Matt, my friend, Matt Corniotis, who I called this week, because I've always admired how at his church he, he has somehow been able to communicate to people and teach them how to study the Word of God, and they become ravenous in their desire to read the Word and study the Word of God. I like that word ravenous. I thought I'd throw it in this week. So as they... Study the Word. He, he, he told me this week, he has a very simple plan, and I loved it, so I thought I would share it with you guys. It's called Bible Study, Rocket Fuel for Your Bible Reading. And this is all it is. You get a portion of Scripture, you just start reading, maybe John, maybe Matthew, okay? And you you read a small portion of Scripture, and then with that, you combine it with a commentary. You guys know what a commentary is? It's some pastor or bible leader that you respect and trust who writes some explanation on what you just read so what he says is you just read the, the bible the word of god and then you read the commentary okay it takes just a couple minutes and you can choose whatever commentary you want you can go on blueletterbible.com click on commentaries and there's a whole list of commentaries you can do audio or read them and i would recommend david guzik He's fantastic. There's Chuck Smith on there. He is fantastic as well. John Corson is the one I would highly recommend. So Bible and commentary. That's it. Okay. If, if you just had the internet, blueletterbible.com, just do it all right there. Have a notebook. And all you do is you write down what stands out to you. What stands out to you? What, what, what did you notice? If it's nothing, it's nothing. Jesus was just scrubbing between your toes. You didn't even know the gunk was there. Okay, you don't have it doesn't always get to your brain. But write down what stood out to you in your little notebook. And then so so what excites you or what impacts you. Those are two words you can kind of judge it by. What man, that was cool when I read that. That impacted me when he said that. And then all you do is you share that with one person throughout that day. You share it with one person. It's a very simple way to get your Bible reading to turn into the most amazing, powerful thing in your life. Okay? So, that's it. It's, it's not a trick. It just gets us to focus on the Word of God and to listen Obviously pray, obviously come to the Lord with humility, you know, but it it doesn't need to be three hours of Bible study and you have to get your seminary degree before you can understand anything. That is not it at all. And you can do it anywhere in the Word of God that you like. Okay? All right. So there's death in the pot, but the Word of God, very simply, is all that we need. And it's, it's so cool because Jesus is doing it for us. We're not doing it, we're not figuring out the Bible. God reveals his word to you. That's why you write down what makes an impact to you. And then after a few days, you're going to notice that you have page after page, and after months go by, page after page, after notebook after notebook, of things that God has revealed to you and spoken to you. And then, you know what it feels like? It feels like progress. Real, legit progress. And that is one of the most exciting things is when I hear little, little comments of the Word of God has impacted me in this way. He's spoken to me this way. And it's the best when you take that one piece of advice, which is share it with one person through that day. Okay? does That make sense? Was that helpful? Alright, would you guys stand with me and we'll sing a song to close our service and love the Lord.